Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most informational, educational, and entertaining podcast for auto detailers. Welcome to the community. All right, looking at Mobile Tech 2022, one of the greatest parts about it is the Education Day. I know it's really been impactful for me as I've learned. It's also been great for the community. Sheldon, what can you tell us about Mobile Tech Expo 2022 Education Day? Uh, really looking forward to it and also a lot of hands-on stuff. So we're going to have two different tracks going on just for detailing. And of course, we're going to have business and we actually added a technology track this year since that's been so popular. But uh, Mike Phillips, you know, always popular, is going to have an entire track devoted to him of just hands-on all day of, you know, learn with one of the best on boats, cars, different types of polishing, glass. He's going to try to cover many topics. Uh, also going to have uh, Justin Lobato, a fan favorite. He's going to be doing some hands-on stuff. And um, Marshall, I heard uh, you might be doing a session. Is that true? Hey, let's do it. All right. So, you know, we'll have the famous Marshall Hill there as well. Um, you know, Jody Sedgwick, uh, lots of really great names. Uh, so make sure you check out the schedule at mobiletechexpo.com. There's a link to the education schedule and then also register. Make sure you use code PINTS, P-I-N-T-S, save 15% off your registration and can't wait to see everyone there. Yeah, looking forward to it. Thanks, Sheldon. All right. Thanks, man. Talk to you soon. Hi, welcome to the Pints of Polishing Podcast. My name is Marshall Hill. I'm your guide as we journey through the car care industry. You can find me on Instagram at HyperCleanMarshall. If you're on Facebook, find us at HyperCleanSpecialist. Best way to get in touch, though, shoot me a text direct, 918-800-1188. Join today with a host of people excited about this one. Nick can be found uh, on most platforms at... Uh, uh, well, we've changed that. He is HyperClean Nick on Instagram and HyperClean Specialist on Facebook. You can reach him direct at nick at uh, vegasrides.com. And uh, Dan Williams can be found on uh, Facebook is where he wants you to find him at Dan Williams. And, uh, and the Owner's Pride podcast. And the Owner's Pride podcast. There you go. And uh, the best way to get in touch with him is 619-952-4814. Eric is one of the owners of auto of owner's pride. And he said, go, just go to the website, ownerspride.com. Best way to do it. Good call guys. Thanks so much for coming on. We did a uh, round one of warranty talk on your episode. So excited to do another round. And speaking of another round, I'm going to go into another round of Oktoberfest. And uh, this is the Roar and Sons Brewing Company, Oktoberfest, just fresh off of uh, Oktoberfest coming in here to Tulsa and missed the community pub and Nick got to host it and uh, heard rave reviews about his amazing skills. Did a great job. Did a great job. Uh, Eric, you said you've been to the main Oktoberfest, huh? Yeah, I went three years ago. Me and my wife went there, got to see the Oktoberfest parade, which is insane. And then got to go to some of the beer tents and drink. Love it. Love it. Uh, Dan, I know we talked, you're no drinking and Nick doesn't drink anything other than ultra. So, you know, I guess I've been kicked out of Oktoberfest back when I did drink. <laughs> mm. 
for uh, uh, mine was I almost got escorted because I went around on one of those rides that did this. And then about three feet off the ride, I went, <laughs> no, no good. That was uh, years and years ago. I'm with you. I'm with you. All right. So Dan, we really want to talk in today uh, about mobile tech, right? As, as now mobile tech is starting to announce people coming out uh, mobile tech 2022. <laughs> well, Will it happen? Because listen, Nick and I met one of the first time. Well, actually, the first time we met face to face was Mobile Tech 19 there in Vegas. Mobile Tech 20 was the first uh, year that we did the community pub uh, with uh, with Mobile Tech there in Orlando. 21 was a disaster, if everybody remembers. I mean, it seems like forever ago, but boy, what an interesting time to have uh, to been in expos and everything going on. And what's your thoughts on uh, 22? I mean, I. Yes, you're on the list to speak, so you're you're hopeful it's going to happen. I guess. I think from what I just experienced on Friday, that's that it seems like um, COVID is kind of over here in the United States. I do not see. I, I am pretty darn sure that we're going to move forward and we'll have it. They're going to have SEMA right now. I talked to my our international partners like a um, Vignesh in India they're getting ready to close down parts of India again. And apparently China is going on, on more shutdowns. Other parts of the world are not where we are in this country. And I don't know if it's because of people have vaccinations or what it is, but I, I, I don't see us taking our foot off of the gas pedal again for any of these shows. SEMA, the trainings, none. I went to a hockey game Friday night, San Diego Gulls home opener. We're the minor league team for the Gulls. Season ticket holder since the inception. Love me some hockey. It was $2.00. Bud Light night. $2 Bud Lights. And that place was freaking sold out. It was shoulder to shoulder, like in between periods, walking around the upper bowl. Like, I, I'm telling you, it's I, I, I'm moving forward. <laughs> it's amazing what cheap beer will do, huh? Right. <laughs> the, the tricky part about this Mobile Tech Expo, though, is um, Mr. Eric over here is getting ready to be a daddy and he was supposed to be on that stage with me and now he is going to have a baby at that time. So Congratulations, Mike. Congrats. Thank you. Mike can sure. give you one year of experience of being a father. <laughs> How is it? Um, I, it's like I say with kids. All your friends and family are full of shit and here's why. Because their their next thing is going to be to you all the time. Well, wait till you have a one-year-old. Wait till you have a two-year-old. Wait, <laughs> they're always going to move the bar on you. Here's the thing, man. It's it's easier than people tell you. That's what I say. Every everybody just gives you the bad advice. If you're ready, you're ready, and you'll be just fine. For sure. Ah, I love it. I love it. Uh all right. So, Nick, what are your thoughts? 2022. I'm in the same boat. I'm here, you know, obviously SEMA's next week. I'm literally probably like a mile from SEMA. Uh, you know, international is going to be a problem. Uh, international travel is probably not going to open up for mobile tech, for SEMA, for any of it. Uh, so that's going to damage every show that has an international footprint. But it's going to move forward in some sense. I mean, mobile tech went off here in Vegas. Uh, it's just the detailers detailing industry just didn't really participate that's all and uh you know i'm going to be interested to see i mean florida is a lot different it's been open since the beginning mobile tech orlando pulls from mostly that area uh which is much easier to pull from than just say the west coast you know who was you know you had california basically shut down that kind of thing 
I, I think Orlando will be fine. Do I think it'll be massive attendance? I, I still don't see that. You know, some people yeah. will stay away. Some will go. You know, it'll be something. I mean, what that is, I mean, does anybody really know? Dan, do you think, do you think Expo? Oh, go ahead, Dan. You know, there's another show in there to throw into the mix that's kind of a sleeper. And um, we participated in it this year in Lexington, Kentucky for the uh, Southern Detailers Conference. And um, while the turnout wasn't huge, huge, I see that show as becoming a formidable force in the industry. Like it was, first of all, that Lexington, Kentucky, beautiful. One of the most beautiful places I've ever been. One of our customers, Scott Campbell, took us in his um, convertible uh, like 64, 65 Mustang out to this restaurant through these horse fields. And it was, I'm telling you, beautiful. But that um, that show had a pretty good turnout, mostly vendors at, th at this one, but I believe it was only their second show. Yeah, and that's why I heard. And I heard a lot of the vendors were in the same boat that, that we were. We fortunately had gotten our money back from them when they canceled the previous year. I think there was a lot of vendors that were still just there because they had given their deposit. But it will be interesting, to, Dan, I'm with you. It's going to be interesting to see how they do pushing forward over the next couple of years because I think they have a lot of good, strong backing from proponents in the industry that Indeed. seem to be, you know, moving in that direction. I, I think they do have some speed. It, it's very true. Yeah, IDA uh, and Auto Geek. Yeah, that, exactly. Um, and, um, so I, and I will mention, too, um, Owner's Pride. That was our first booth, and um, it was our first show that we did. And we won best booth and we got free admission to the next show. So we will be there. I tell you. Congratulations, Scott. man. Congratulations. That's awesome. Uh, now, have you guys been a part of mobile tech or is this your first year? I personally have from years past. Um, we were lined up to do mobile tech when COVID shut everything down. Yeah. Um, so so this, in the past years, with that. yeah. Walk us through education day. I think you've been a part of that before or no? um on the side sitting and watching more so i haven't i haven't been a speaker at that show um, oh so first year to speak yeah and we still we got to clear that with our legal team also as um you know getting on and talking about warranties in front of so you know a, a whole bunch of people who may or may not have compliant warranties i think it'll be very scrutinized and without eric up there with me i'm i'm you know, we, you don't want to say the wrong thing while you got 50 cell phones recording you and then called out. So we still have to clear that hurdle. Uh, okay. Well, but I'm looking crossed. forward to it. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah. yeah. Fingers crossed. Uh, we'll see you there, hopefully. Um, but we, we want to, we want to, you talked about warranties. That's really what we want to talk about today. So when we look at them, uh, let's, let's just chop it up real quick. When, when you guys go to buy something, just anything is, you normally buy warranties with with products that you get, Dan. I'll just you and I are chatting, so you first. Yeah, you know, uh, I think psychologically, people are used to warranties. Um, they've been around for a long time. Everybody who buys a cell phone gets offered a warranty. You buy a mattress, a couch, I, I mean, a new car. They kind of come with everything. So I think people know about them and they feel comfortable uh, as consumers. Kind of buy things and do things that they're comfortable with and that they usually do. So I think having a viable compliant warranty is a really huge piece that maybe all of the detail world doesn't quite understand the importance of it or the validity that it gives to their company. Yeah, I get it. Uh, you mentioned mattresses and stuff. And I'm that way. You know, I, I get hit. Like if I go to Sam's, 
uh, and I'm checking out. They're always, no matter what I get, they're always asking if I want, you know, the warranty or extended warranty plan or, so I'm with you. I think we're all conditioned to do it. Eric, do you purchase warranties when you're out buying stuff? So it's funny. I just, if I buy like something that's expensive, I always look at it like Pelot. I bought a Peloton. Yeah. COVID. Ooh. I bought a warranty for that. And then ironically, do you really use it? Do you use it? Like So when I first bought it, I used it like every day. And then there was like a three month lull. And now I'm back to using it at least four times a week. But I mean, it turns into like a clothes collector for a little while. But the other thing I just, so we had to buy a new Christmas tree. So my wife watches the Hallmark channel. And so we have a balsam hill Christmas tree, which they're like $1,500 fake trees. And our old one lasted four years and died. So the new one, I just had to buy, we actually bought it this morning. And uh, so I did buy an extended warranty on that one for 200 bucks. And that extends it out for, I think like five years, which my other one died at five years. So it should, who knows. And I think for me, as I started buying, I, you know, it depends, you know, I'm, I'm, sometimes I'll buy them, sometimes I won't. The ones that will keep track of my information and I don't have to do anything I remember years ago, right? You had to keep the receipt, you had to get this paperwork. You had to do so much work once you bought a warranty that it was, it was just so much involved with it. I like now that they've streamlined the process. Most of the time it's linked into your account. If you're just buying something, you don't have to keep all your paperwork. Nick, what about you? Do you buy stuff? Do you buy warranties? Uh, no, I don't buy, I don't buy extended warranties. Uh, you know, look, most states require manufacturers of stuff to carry a manufacturer's warranty. And, you know, if it breaks after that and I can't afford to replace it, I figured I couldn't afford it. So, I mean, I don't live my life. Never been in it. Never got Never in my life. Never. Look, I've sold, bought and sold more cars. I just don't. If you don't have the money, man, don't buy it. And, you know, there's a reason why the, the, the usage rate on a warranty and the amount of claims that get put in, it's very small you know, look, they don't, they don't, they're not in business because you get a lot of warranty claims. There's, there's a reason why warranty companies are in business. Damn. You guys want to hear the best one? Golf Galaxy now does a golf glove warranty. A guy in my warehouse bought it. And when if you wear out your golf glove, they replace it for free. He's got, he's on his sixth golf glove. Hmm. And I was like, Hey, I was like, that's the weirdest thing I've ever heard, but I didn't even think about it. Yeah, you put a whole. It's almost like renting a club, huh? Well, it's just weird. I'm like, okay, so natural uses where it's like warranting your T-shirt, but that <laughs> thing you put a hole in it all the time. So he's like, yeah, I've gotten six new gloves because I bought a two dollar warranty for my golf club. I was like, I don't even see how they like that doesn't even make sense. Some people just do that. Then I guess you're right. Well, oh, Dan. When I detailed full time, I would go through headphones quite frequently because it was you know hot outside. I was mobile and so much sweat and stuff, and I would always get the. Uh, the warranty for my headphones through AT&T where and, and they would always get broken right before that thing was up and I'd get a fresh pair. Not that that's. So you've had good claims process. Yeah, that, that worked out really good. And, you know, I find a lot with this warranty thing. So we have a, a glass warranty program that's kind of you know, special for our industry, but there is a cost associated with it. Um, and it gets a $3,000 or a $5,000 aggregate that you can make claims against. And one of, one of my old clients who Dustin Wharton, our Western regional manager um, has now, he called me because Dustin was trying to sell it to him. This guy is super affluent and he's never had a broken windshield in his life. So 
so not every customer is necessarily going to be the customer for a warranty. He has so much money that uh, if he had to spend $1,500 on a windshield, it wouldn't be a big deal to him. But, you know, somebody who does not have an extra $1,500 just in case something happens like that, it, it makes a lot more sense for them. All right. That's a good idea. When, uh, when you think, Eric, just in thought process about protecting investments, like you mentioned, if you buy a golf club or something we buy, right? When's it a good time to protect that investment? Because we all like, if we spend our money on something, right? We want it to be protected. When's the right time? So, I mean, so I did, for the longest time, I did F&I at car dealerships. And really, I, it was always kind of a, like Nick said, when you buy and sell cars, there's always an association of getting taken advantage of on something or I can afford it. I'll self-insure. But a lot of it also comes down to what you're purchasing. So I used to, when I would did F and I was finance director, all I would ever drive was Jeep SRTs. And if anyone knows those cars, they're actually giant POSs. And so my largest one, my, I think my largest service bill. So I always bought extended service contracts on them. But I was the guy that always waited till I had 30,000 miles on it. So I had 6,000 miles bumper to bumper because I wanted to assess what I was going to do with that car. If I was going to keep it or get rid of it. And at 38,000 miles, one of my Jeeps, I, I still have the service bill for it. It had $37,000 in service bills. And so when I sat in F and I was like, well, A, I was like, this is a little bit excessive. But like the active exhaust on a Jeep SRT is outrageous. Um, my brakes the Brembo's on them, they put too many pot calipers on it. So it actually bent the calipers themselves. And so all new Brembo's had to get replaced on it. Just all the axle apparently on those cars is only rated for so much. So, I mean, it was just a bunch of obscene stuff. So, I mean, I always kind of look at things at the time of purchase, iPhone, Apple care. For me, it's also ease. So if your screen gets broken on an iPhone, What's the process of getting replaced? If I lose my iPhone and if I break it, Apple Care is what two hundred bucks. A new screen on an iPhone, I don't even know what they cost. Um, to be honest, but my thing is, I sometimes will do it based on ease, and then I'll sometimes do it based on risk prevention. Um, one of the other, like our new warranty, we just rolled out with our new coatings, um, mimics that of a consumer warranty that comes with a TV. That is it's really a consumer advocacy card. So everyone's comes with a warranty rather than having to file that warranty. Um, it's automatically filed based on installation, which is a giant, um, legal loophole to jump into. But <laughs> once you get it done and get all the legal filings, it's the right thing to do for the customer because now you're not having to file it, send it in and jump through all that. And if someone, type the wrong VIN in. I don't want to hide behind necessarily so, discrepancies. Eric, let me ask you, so do you guys set a, I mean, I, we, we were talking about just in general idea, but I'm glad you brought that up because we were talking about when do you buy it? You know, did it, meaning like, is there a value? Do you, you typically think, you know, hey, once I've spent, because we're protecting an investment with a warranty. So at what point is there a dollar figure, I guess, more of in a sense, a dollar figure that we would set to say, okay, now I need a warranty. Probably. I mean, mine is risk of what's it cost to replace. So like I had a Jeep Gladiator. I went through like 15 windshields. I think you could look at a Jeep Wrangler windshield and it'll break. It's like the new Ford <laughs> Bronco. We have on our other world, we have Ford Bronco dealership in Texas. They've gone through six windshields 
just on their showroom floor for Broncos from people slamming the doors too hard. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's that thousand dollar threshold is when I'll even start to look at it. And then it's, what am I buying? How delicate is what I'm buying? And then if it breaks, do I a, care? Cause if it, I mean, we're in a, we're in a throwaway world, which isn't a great thing, but can, what's the cost of replacing it? What's the warranty process? How big of a pain in the butt is it? So for me, certain things like a, the Peloton, it was three grand. And I look at it and I'm like, this thing's going to break. Mine already broke actually. It broke in like eight months and I called them and they had to come replace the pedals because they bent. Um, okay. But so like a thousand bucks or, or up. Whenever you, yeah. Whenever you go into those, that's what you think. Nick, what about you? Would you set a price on when you decide to buy? Well, you said you don't ever buy warranties. Never yeah, I don't. I mean, like I said, I mean, if I bought a Peloton and I, you know, as you know, I, I've had some investments in that world and I'll tell you three grand's pretty cheap. And I had, you know, 35 grand in a machine and no warranty on it. And you just gotta, you know, you gotta factor in what is your claim rate on warranties? And and the statistics are in on that. It's very, very low, less than 5% of most warranties ever get a claim. So you're, you're playing a financial risk game over three to 5% rate. Uh, Mathematically, it makes very little sense ever. Uh, And, you know, you got to ask what the smartest financial and the richest people you know in your life do and they don't buy warranties uh and, they, and most of them if you talk to them even when they didn't have money were not involved in buying warranties and so i tend to uh lean to to the most successful people around me when i make financial decisions and most of them agree with what i'm saying i mean uh, across the board so again uh, i i don't know if we're ever going to get to the detailing part of this uh but you know, I, I don't see where all of this jargon gets us in the detailing world. Well, I think it, it's the idea of that if somebody's going to spend X amount of money and guys, correct me if I'm wrong, but to me, this is where I think the warranties, so to speak, involve into the detailing world or just in, in, in purchasing of something inside the car care industry is generally there seems to be a threshold like over the past years, it seems to be the companies that pushed warranties hard had a high ticket price. Um, warranties have gone in and out of what people and, you know, I, I, I know we've talked different parts and I know different segments, uh, Dan, around which warranties are better than others and who has one warranty over this. I get it, right? Uh, but it just always seems like there's a threshold, right? Like, some companies do it, but then people have to spend extra. People have to do this to, to get the warranties. So I, I guess I get Nick's point. What does having a warranty have to do with the car care industry? I think, Dan, do you want to start? I want me to enter. You go ahead and start and then I'll jump in. Yeah. So I think part of the car care industry, what it will do is when a customer buys their car today, their number one thing that they're referencing back to in their head is the dealership. The dealership will always carry the highest reputation or the lowest reputation with that person. But their point of sale and the F&I office will also be the association with what the detailer is trying to sell them. And so for us, what's the differentiating factor between what the dealership sold them and what we're selling them? Most detailers will only stand on my quality of service is better. But now when you look at any of these, I very rarely go detailing for money or anything, but if you look, a lot of people are pushing coding cars without paint correction or anything. So there's really that line starting to get blurred. So 
for me, it's how do you build validity versus the auto dealer to come out and do that. And a lot of that is selling a more competitive product in that space because we're asking in California for a ceramic coating over $2,000. The Midwest, you stuck around a thousand, East Coast. All right, so hold on. let me oh, let me play back through that with you because I like what you had to say. I, I am in detailing for money here and there, but you're right, it's kind of a, an odd place to be sometimes. Um, I've actually been one that's really been heavy on this no correction uh, before big, you know, these massive five, seven lifetime, you know, I, we get it on that side, but, but for the, the normal guys running around, you know, one, two and three year, Hey, you don't always need a full correction. That's always been kind of my point. Um, but it, why should, this is, this is why I bring it up because I love that you brought it up. Why should we push a warranty that makes us feel like we're better than somebody else? That's where I guess I am a little confused because uh, a lot of times in the industry, it's about our skill set, right? How do you guys perceive holding a warranty helps with that? Mine is if, so if you're going to really, I'll call what the new methodology is more working towards efficiency and managing customer expectation. So many guys go above and beyond what expectation is that they're actually wasting time and time management is now the biggest factor why they're not wealthy in their profession. But so for me, the when you look at the warranty, it's the customer, the prior pitch point was at the auto dealer and their selling point was an aggregate. Actually, most of them don't even tell you what the aggregate is. It was just the warranty. Our new warranty, we actually took a little bit different approach of that because for that exact question, I looked at how do you sell a customer on what they're getting? And for me, when you sell an extended warranty on a vehicle to cover the motor, um, you can do a really a cost analysis of a T chart, how much stuff costs, how long you need to keep it, et cetera. And so when you look at this, we put a $5,000 aggregate on something. So that way you can actually place a value on it. Okay. If you do this, you have, you have up to $5,000 aggregate. Um, the tricky part on glass, and this is where the devil's in the details is, does the warranty cover calibration? A lot of people now have come off the glass warranty that excluded calibration. So then they'll get screwed. But for me, with the detailer going back to the point is now you have that thing. Okay. This guy, John bought a Range Rover. He now went to right, Eric, hold on. I don't mean to cut you off, but well, I mean, but maybe Dan help me where, where does those are all, those are all very great things, right? I mean, having the value into a windshield and having all this stuff giving, you know, just to anybody that wants to bring in a warranty to their shop, right? This could be across the board. So, does it matter, I guess, Dan, in your opinion, does it, does it help their, their establishment any? I, I think over time, it absolutely will. And, and what we have now without disparaging anybody, so I'm going to speak in very broad strokes here, are a lot of companies who sell a warranty, which is essentially a piece of cardboard with crayon writing warranty on it. And, and there's no validity to the paper that they have. And someday somebody is going to make a complaint and they're going to call their state's attorney general when they try to make, file a claim that they get this lifetime warranty and they didn't get it um, adjudicated because of the, something happens where they just don't do it. At that point, I, I think the house of cards will eventually fall. Now that has nothing to do with me. I 
in owner's pride, we're trying to set up business for the long haul. We look at this as a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. And, and we're trying to do everything by the books. Does the industry come in and, and scrutinize on the detail world like they do at the dealership level? Absolutely, they don't at this point. There, there's a lot less money. However, this okay, is so what a you're growing, saying... growing thing. So what I'm saying is having a, a compliant, real, fully legal piece of paper is something that would give strength to your business in the long term, I think. And I think I think overall you're saying security, right? Long-term security that the stuff that you're putting on, is, you know, you've got the, the paper that protects what you did. Can you get away with doing it not completely on the above board? Sure. And you probably make a lot more money doing it that way until you don't. Okay, cool. Nick, thoughts, warranties inside the detailing world? Uh, I just, I, I'm still looking for what we're talking about here. This is very dealership centric. This is a dealership mindset. Uh, it's great for the dealership world. Um, this is what this is and that's okay. The best case scenario for a warranty claim, whether you have 50,000 in aggregate or you have 5,000 in aggregate and mind you talking to a guy with a rather large business for a long time. Okay. With rather affluent car collections. So we carry a boatload of insurance. Let's say the best case scenario for a warranty claim would be this. The company sends you a bottle to fix the problem, maybe reimburses a few hours of your time. And we can all say that's not what's going to happen. I understand that. But I've also been through this process with very reputable TPAs with other coding companies around the world. And it's okay if you're trying to get in the dealership world as a detailer, there's rules of the game you need to understand. And that's what we seem to be talking about. We're not really talking about the average guy opening a shop and building a business that we're just not, I mean, nobody's okay, heard anything. But could, this you conversation see, yet. could you see warranties? Okay. For instance, you just opened up a shot. Is warranties a thing that you would ever put into your business into the detailing world? I guess is a better question to ask. It, here's the thing. So we've been open over a decade. Uh, I've been doing this 23 years. Here's exactly the facts. If I ever have a problem with a coding, I want my customer calling me, not an 800 number, period, end of story, because I want to fix what's going on and I want to do it as quickly and as swiftly as I can. And acting as if any warranty is perfectly run, I don't think anybody's had that experience. Now, maybe this is the first one. Maybe the, you know, there's a bunch that run really well. Don't know. Uh, but I want to fix the problem. And we've had coding failures. We've installed thousands of coatings. We've had coding failures. We've peeled it off. We fixed it. My customer is still my customer to this day. If I have them call an 800 number, does that same experience level come through? I don't know. Uh, but I ate it as a business. We fixed it as a business. And, and that's what we did. So again, I'm trying to help the guy that's actually running a detailing business and, and trying to be successful. I, that's all that I can say. Dan. So one of the, the 1-800 number part of it, so you could get your coding installed in Las Vegas, which is where you are. You can move to Saskatoon, Canada. You call that 1-800 number and you get your claim adjudicated. Um, our interior covers rips, burns, and tears. Most detailers don't have that skill set you know, to, to fix that. But if they call the 1-800 number, it gets adjudicated and fixed. 
Um, and then from somebody, I, I've been on this side, the chemical supplier side for a while. And I know that warranty claims do happen. Probably the, the biggest thing that I see out there is hard water spots because people are not educated to take care of their car properly, perhaps. And um, that's something that's actually covered. So I, there, there are things that can happen to a car and to a coating or to if you sit down with a screwdriver in your pocket, that's going to do damage. Um, so I, it's just a difference of perspective. I see total value in it and not just because of this company. I mean, when I was at my last company and I helped build a dealership program, that's where I really learned about a lot of the compliance stuff. All right, so we, we uh, and, talked and there about, we go. That it's, yeah, it, that's what I was going to say. My point is, this is a very dealership-centric conversation. This is not a detailer conversation at this point. And again, oh, but Nick, Nick, there's plenty, there's plenty of money, right? I mean, Eric, this is what we talked about last time. There's plenty of money running through the dealership world, and they're selling a ton of these warranties. You know, what's wrong with copycatting what's already working in the dealership world versus the detail world? Where's my my question to it all is, so Nick, your business has been around for a lot longer than most and you're willing to do the right thing at a, at a cost that you can afford. We have a lot of new, so Owner's Pride, we'll get a lot of new detailers that are just in and a hard water spot recoding job. We'll actually pay them the labor to redo it all. Whereas I don't necessarily always know if they can afford that overhead in their business because a lot of them are so new. And I mean, doing the right thing is always the best thing. And you taking care of your customer speaks for your reputation more than any warranty ever will. And that's where you make the difference in your business. And that's why you're successful. For these new guys, though, they also need a pillar to stand on. You have a reputation. Some of these guys coming in, if they don't have a reputation, they need to lean on the reputation of a company. And so if they can say, okay, my company has a warranty, no matter where you live in the US, it'll cover you. And how many detail shops right now pop up and go out of business. So the reputation's now gone. And so the whole thing as a company, we also want a pillar of, okay, this is our support. If Joe Schmo's detailing comes in, then goes out of business, that customer has somewhere to go to. Okay. So that's what I was about to say. So Eric, did you just switch it that it's or not switch it, but you, you're saying also that the second part would be like, Hey, I as a detailer should buy a warranty for my customers. So in case I go out of business, so I'm betting I'm not betting on myself. I'm betting on the company to protect it. No, I'm not. I'm saying as a detailer, you associate yourself with a company that's bigger than you. Cause if you're just starting out, the hardest thing to do is get your foot in the door in anything, especially if you don't, if it's, if you don't even have your first customer yet and they call you how and you don't have a book to roll through of your history of work. Like Nick could probably show pictures and have referrals. If my name's Austin and it's my first time detailing, you have a brand new truck. I need to give that customer some sort of reassurance that, Hey, if I get a wild hair and I move tomorrow, you still are protected. Your car is protected. You can call someone, especially if they're spending over $1,500 to get their car ceramic coated, there's a little worry there. But as the detailer side of it, I'm saying it gives them another selling point to build credibility within themselves to that customer. Okay. I understand. I follow you. And we're not apples to oranges here either because there's all of the companies are selling some sort of warranty. I believe there's one company out there who calls their thing a guarantee and they are the ones who are doing it right on their side because it doesn't use that word, which keeps them out of any legal hassle that could happen from that. 
Okay, so what do you, I guess you're saying that's part of the compliance part then, huh? So talk me through that. What do you, what's the difference between a guarantee and then you're calling the other one's fake, I guess. What's No, what's I mean, a warranty is a warranty and that's controlled by the, uh, governed by the Federal Trade Commission and the Magnuson Moss Act of 1975. That's what a warranty is. A guarantee, a product guarantee is, is not a warranty that's governed by that if you use the word warranty, then you're stepping into an illegal arena. And for what you were saying earlier about protecting ourselves long term and the security of that, that's why you're saying that that's the important part. Yeah, I, I like to look at what big business is doing and successful at and try to emulate it. And oh, 100% agree. 100% feel that I'm agree. giving value. I think I would ask this question, everybody listening to kind of think about something. Should you ever copy the most hated people in the industry? The car dealership. Not trusted. F&I offices aren't trusted. It's one of the worst consumer experiences on the planet. And here we continue to advocate, hey, let's, let's copy that. Okay. That's a different difference of opinion. Do yeah, I want to I copy Nike? Like yes, I do. No, no. Uh, warranty, the biggest warranties sold around cars are sold where? I don't necessarily think that because if you look at the manufacturer, Ford, they offer you a three-year, 36,000-mile bumper-to-bumper warranty. I would never buy a brand-new car without the manufacturer warranty. We're not necessarily okay, that, emulating okay. the dealership. We're a coding company offering that warranty. We're not asking the detailer to upsell a warranty on top of a warranty. I'm trying to understand. You are asking them to upsell a warranty. I'm saying the F&I company upsells. So the F&I department of the dealerships upselling a warranty on top of the manufacturer warranty. We are the manufacturer in this sense. So we're selling a manufacturer warranty. So just be the same as like Ford, Chevy, putting a warranty on their thing. I don't want to go out and say, hey, owners probably have coding warranty for seven years and start having detailers sell an extension to that warranty. I want just the manufacturer warranty so that way there's a manufacturer leg to stand on, just the same okay. as all new cars. So so you guys talked, or Dan did, talked about interior protection, okay? If, if you damage your interior, that's sold at the F&I office right now at every dealership on the planet. Rim repair is sold at every office. Now you have uh, most F&I offices at offering a ceramic coating protection warranty. Um, so again, I, I want to say that it's different and I understand what you're saying, but Dan brought up exact points that are being sold in the F&I office and we're calling it different and that's okay. Everybody that's listening can make their decision on what was said, but I want people to understand something. This is kind of the problem in the detailing world right now. And it's not owner's pride and it's not hyper clean. It's not, we're overcomplicating really simple things, okay? The simple stuff that's gonna to matter to a detailer's business, starting out or 10 or 15 years in, is buying products from the right company that puts all its effort into making the most robust products that they can make. What I've heard from a lot of companies, and it's not anybody in particular, is talking about their guarantee, their warranty, their this and that. I don't really talk about that at HyperClean because our three years is going to last way longer than three years. It's more robust than a three year. So we're going to do the right thing. And, and what, we're, what we're talking about now is we're splitting a hair and we're saying, 
that reputable companies aren't going to do reputable things. And that never really happens on a massive scale. Are you going to have some companies that do things that aren't legit? 100% you are. There's no doubt about that. But that isn't the majority. And if detailers use their brain and pick right companies, 99.9% of the time, they're not going to get burned because they're but, going with reputable Nick, companies. It's really hard to find a lot of times. We all know there's snake oil in the, in the system, right? And yep. as more companies start coming out, it's going to be even harder to find those reputable brands. And what's wrong then with having a warranty that gives you some security long-term? I mean, I thought you too had a, a compliant warranty. Marty, I thought that was kind of one of your we things. Do, we do have we a do. compliant warranty, but what, what I'm saying is you notice that I don't hang my hat on that. I hang my hat on, we have a robust coding system that we'll stand behind at any time with anybody. And again, a warranty, let's make something very clear. It doesn't matter about compliance. Compliance is a dealership term. And that's what you're saying you're compliant with is dealership compliant warranties. It, otherwise, what are you talking about? Because it's only compliant in the, state. the Magnus and Moss Act of 1975. Okay. And here's what's going to happen. You guys are going to have to stand behind it and send product and reimburse people for their time. That's what a compliant warranty does. That's exactly what the, what it does. There's no more difficult than that. That is the reality. That, that That's what you're telling guys you're going to do. We're going to stand behind it and we're going to make sure that the coding gets fixed. And we're going to make sure that we, we help you out in that process. Why are we making it more difficult than that? I just want guys to understand what it means. I mean, I, I would say to dumb it down, even taking the, a, a real warranty, all it's doing is doing the right thing. And it's in my eyes, guaranteeing, even if the detailer doesn't or whoever it's you're guaranteeing, you're always going to do the right thing. And the customer's always getting taken care of because as your business has been successful, and other detailers taking care of the customer and always doing the right thing is what makes business grow. So for me, looking at it, a good warranty is always just taking care of the customer and assuring that the customer is going to get taken care of because they're the one spending the money. So Eric, what, what percentage do you put on the value of the product versus the paper? So depends what it is. If it's windshield, um, it's the paper wins on wind, like the, you the windshield claims are through the roof, um, especially with today's cars, rock chips, etc. Um, paint, it just depends. Our new warranty. So here's here's where paint gets tricky. We just took off all age restrictions on cars. So now we'll warranty a Model T's paint, um, and it's seven years. So your first, I don't. Your first three years are always gravy. Let's be honest. Nothing's going to happen or nothing expected is going to happen outside of hard water spots. Oxidation and other things on newer cars are really going to be a later phase thing. Year seven, year coding, your five to sevens where you're going to start to see any of your claim stuff. But I mean, in our world, a lot of these people are taking care of their cars or going back to the detailer. They're getting trained how to take care of their car it's not as big of a worry. Um, and it's more that you're right. Selling, you're selling peace of mind for that investment. Okay. So typical ceramic coating on a car, what percentage? You're, I mean, so on a brand new, that that's where it gets skewed for us now, because unfortunately, if you're a 2005 Escalade, your risk of oxidation and paint, is way higher. So, I mean, that'd be a better question. 
to inform me once our warranties, our new ones been out longer. But if you're just doing, if you're talking brand new cars at the dealership, you're under 7%. Um, yeah. No, I, maybe I'm not, maybe, I, maybe let me ask a question a little bit different. What value do you put on, because we're talking warranties and product. Do you, do you put more value on the, the, the warranty or the product? Is there a percentage? Um, I would say my ultimately my value is always in the product because that's what I got sold on. But part of that sales process is what stands behind it. Who, what's the company behind it? Like it's anything. I don't drive a Range Rover because all you ever hear is that Range Rovers break down a lot and it's the reputation, even if it comes with the warranty. And growing up, I saw my next door neighbor at Range Rover is always broken. So, I mean, certain things stick in my head. So I'll put, I take both into accountability, but obviously you're attracted to the product first and then you look at what stands behind it. All right, Dan. And the, this product that, well, what we have comes with it. We've built it into the price. So it's not like we're charging more money for it. And we stayed very competitive with everybody else that's in the industry. So I see it as a bonus value add to have that to stand on is just like one more thing that sets your business a step higher than the other companies, whether he agrees with me or not. I mean, that's, that's how, that's how I honestly feel in my heart. Like, cool. Nick. Yeah. Don't play, place any really a lot of value on it. I'm going to have to stand behind it. You know, that's, that's the end result. I mean, we're here and talk about windshields here. There's, there's products out there. Detailers could get involved in. We share them at my shop that could help windshields not get cracked and chipped prior to a warranty claim. There, there's all kinds of things you can do to have a successful business. And, you know, I'll just go on what I've seen in this industry. I know some of the biggest shop owners. Well, I do know two or three of the biggest shop owners in this country. They, they don't talk this way. They don't talk about warranties. They, they stand behind what they do. And Eric said it earlier. That's what's going to matter long term. What's going to matter long term for your business, if you're a detailer listening to this, is your ability to do the right thing when things don't go right. And, and, and that is it. And, you know, that's why I've always been very confused about warranty conversations. I will say it's about 99.1%, okay, to, for me. 99% is the product that you're putting on the surface. 1% is the paper behind it. Because at the end of the day, if the product is set up to fail from the beginning, you're just going to be in an infant loop of warranty claims for your customer. So how's that good anyway? We ain't you know, pushing if, warranties if because we got a lot of, you know, because we're expecting our product not to last. Yeah, I, know, I didn't say you. I, I'm saying what, what ends up happening is we get into this very weird place where we talk about the paper behind the coating. Great. I mean, that, there's a place for that, but it's not, it's not in place of a great process, a great procedure, and a great installation with a great product. That's what's going to determine most things getting to the life of a good coating. The maintenance on it also plays a part there, but that's the way to get a coating to last. That's why there's a real conversation we're having about five and seven year coatings because most detailers can't perform the work to get the coating to five to seven years. And now we're hearing the word lifetime. I mean, it's, it's a really bizarre world. And the people that follow us understand I'm dealing with some of the rarest collections on this planet. I mean, I, I think, I think my word means something when it comes to detailing cars. So if you want to detail cars, and you want to be successful long-term, you're going to have to make a decision on what matters for you and your business. And I don't think paperwork plays a big part in that. All right. Close. Oh, I think it's a cherry on top. Yeah. Yeah. Close so, 
closing thoughts. Let's 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 all give our closing thoughts. That way you can give your feedback, Eric, and and throw out, and then overall closing thoughts. No, so my overall closing thought to it, Nick, is you brought up a good point. So as a company, I think Dan, Brian, Dustin, all these guys do a really good job. Our focus has shifted really from. I don't, I personally never even talk about paper yet. I mean, obviously it's something that I look at as a company, we want to do everything as the right way we can. But for us, we've really shifted our entire focus on helping these new detailers get in and be successful, how to do the right thing, how to grow your business, um, business coaching, how to set up a CRM. And I think more than anything, training these guys and taking the time to coach them and mentor them is the biggest differentiator of any of these companies because so many people just sign you up and then set you to the wolves. For us, I want our, all of our sales guys, I want once a week, twice a week contact or whatever we can get from you to make sure that you're successful, to answer your questions, to do Zoom calls, iPhone video stuff with you for every single thing when you come to a problem that we're there to help you out and not just hang you out to dry and sell you stuff. And I think that's the most important part of any of these. And a warranty is just, uh, it's just, it is what it is. It's just, it's there, it exists. It's a talking point, but really it's no more than that. The company itself, like Marty said, how do you view the product? We want to be viewed in our installer's eyes and our product. I actually, I had a whole meeting today. I didn't even talk about our coatings once. I talked only about product. Where are we at with product? How's reviews on product? Because all I really want to know is what is the impression of the chemicals we make, our training, our installer, and how do we better this industry in that way? Obviously being legal for you guys and us, you wanna make sure that you're covered just in case you ever get sued or anything ever happens. You're always, you always do the right thing. You don't do the dealership thing and screw someone over. We always wanna be on the right side of the law. Cool, Dan. Yeah, I, I think that it's a business and marketing advantage and I, and I would say, if you have it, I mean, if you have it, why would you never, never talk about it? If it's something that makes you stand out apart, you know, from the rest of the crowd and you guys too have a compliant warranty. So I, it's a little confusing. I think it's a business advantage to you. If you are trying to set yourself up to do things, the I use the word compliant the right way for the long haul to try to build a business. And um, I agree with Eric, uh, any company that you're going to look at, see what they do for you, not just in a warranty paper, not just in what product they have, but like, how are they going to help you grow your business? And are they going to be there for you to be a part, a partner, like a profit partner moving into the future? Nick. Yeah, I appreciate that That some things have now been said that I 100%, you're right. Uh, the support from a company is much more important than the paper. I'm glad we finally got there because I think that's important. And, and again, we weren't talking about that before. We're now talking about that in a closing. And I understand that. And that makes all kinds of sense. That's why the two owners of our company, our cell phones plastered everywhere and guys text us all the time. And why we continue to say we have 40 active years in professional detailing experience. There, there's absolutely nothing better than young guys getting the right information that allows them to have the, some business success. There, there, there's nothing better than that. But you can't hang your hat on somebody else, whether that's HyperClean, Owner's Pride, or someone else. You're going to have to build your reputation. You're going to do that your way. 
You're going to do that by being in the marketplace and doing the right things. And that's what I want guys to hear it, from me anyway, uh, is you're going to, to have to do the right thing year in, year out, stand behind your work, and you're going to find success that way. And look, there's going to be some uncomfortable conversations and some things you screw up and some things you're going to have to trip over to fix. That happens to everybody when they start a business. Uh, you know, choose the right companies and the right products and the right processes and procedures, and you're going to find success. Everybody has the ability to find success. And, and, and again, I, I just, I don't really see a big deal of, of detailers. Hey, I'm putting a two-year coding on, you know, I don't see all of this paperwork being the big thing I would talk about because I never have and don't know very many big shops doing that. So again, I, I could be completely wrong, but it is what it is. Yeah, and, and I, I would say me. real quick, real so I think we were a little skewed coming into this because I was told that the war the topic of the podcast was going to be warranties. So we were like loaded up and ready to talk about that because I thought that was the you know main yeah, that's what business that we're you know that's what we talked about. about. I thought it yeah, is what we what talked about. But then we get to the end of it and we talk about how the you know the other parts of business and then we're all agreeing with each other singing kumbaya about you know supporting your customers and stuff like from the onset i thought that we were just talking about that so you know oh conversations i guess take uh yeah. take different channels but yeah i mean i i thought we did talk about the warranties through the whole episode i we I, did and, we did and, and and you're right dan we we have a compliant warranty we, we do you know offer it Right. So this is what, what we love here in, in the community, right, is is just open dialogue back and forth on why somebody should or why somebody shouldn't or at what point in time should they do it. And we, we like just having discussions and picking people's brains to figure out what are some different ideas. And maybe somebody that's listening gets a, an idea from you or gets an idea from Nick or, you know, gets an idea from Eric or, or me. You know, you, you never know unless we have just very blunt open discussions about things you know why should somebody do something for me i i look at warranties as yeah i thought it was definitely needed when i started into the business and we talked about it. i mean i i repped a, a sealant company and went around into the dealer world since i was already there selling products it made sense like inside that world it makes sense i will say though i as we moved it over into the detailing world and as we do it in our side i have from a personal aspect started to question how really real is it when you move it over into the detailing world and i don't know that i have an answer for that i, I mean i don't because i if it's going to be this massive ticket sure I could see, right? That's why it was my point of asking what a value, you know, when do we go to the store and buy something? When do we, you know, when we do these things, there is, seems to be a certain value that we place. And maybe as detailers, maybe the, the rule would be, hey, once I achieve certain level of ticket price, that customer gets an option to guarantee their money or, you know, that customer gets an option to warranty or however we want to define it. Because maybe that's a way to sell it. You know, I, I don't know. This is, this is why we have these discussions is, is to be able to give people different ways of viewing things so that they can make their best decision on how they grow their business. Because there's no doubt the longest tail in business isn't necessarily for me. When I look at 
me as a business owner, no matter what revenue or part I've been in, no matter what side of the car care industry I've been in, mobile detailing, scrubbing carpets, walking into dealerships and moving products. My bet, my gamble has always been on me. The times that I gamble and risk on somebody else and what they're going to tell me never always seems to maybe work out the right way. So for me, when I look at my suggestion for detailers choosing whatever they want to do in life and in business, put your risk on your own self and suck it up and get your fucking job done. That's the way I always look at it. So guys, thanks so much, Eric. Uh, next time you're in town, man, let's do it. Let's grab that beer. Let's sit down and have a beers and let's keep chatting, man. I, I think it's great to have these type of di dialogues and be able to bring different discussions into the industry. So, and Dan, I look forward to seeing you at mobile tech, man. Uh, Hopefully we'll have another discussion there and enjoy some nice beer. Absolutely. Mine'll be Definitely. in. Nick, thanks so much, man. All right, guys. Have a great day. Thanks, guys. Nice to see you. See ya. Mm -hmm.